serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today, right? But in order for our Savior to rise, he first went through the time we recognize as Passion Week. Before resurrection comes the crucifixion, death, and burial. So today on Chris Fabry Live, we're going to look at what happened on this day in the life of Jesus, both Jesus and his closest followers in the upper room. He spoke with them. He encouraged them. He had a meal with them. He washed their feet. Betrayal and the crucifixion were ahead. So we're going to talk about this intimate scene with Jesus and his followers and ask about the significance of that for you and me today. Maybe you have a question about these events leading up to the crucifixion. If there's something you don't understand, I hope you'll call us today. Our phone line's open. Dr. Ray Pritchard's going to help us as we consider the struggle Jesus went through for you and me. Welcome to our Thursday edition of Chris Fabry Live. Great to have you here. It's a different Passion Week. We've never experienced one quite like this. How you doing? Hope you're well. I had somebody email me today and say, I'm putting that on all my emails. I've said, How you doing? Are you okay? Are you all right? Everybody okay? Um, thanks in advance to those helping out behind the scenes today. Ryan McConaughey doing all things technical. Tricia is our producer. Gabby T, you'll answer your questions. And thank you for your support. means a lot to have you with us sharing these conversations. Uh, Mary called yesterday. She heard me talking about our thank you for your support this month. The book by C.S. Lewis, The Problem of Pain. And here's what it says on my screen. The person who answered Mary's call wrote this. Mary says she does not have anything to give for the resource, but is in a lot of pain and would appreciate it if she could receive it. Yes, Mary, we want to send you a copy of that. And I want to say to you, uh, would you help us do that? Would you give a gift of any size or maybe give a gift in Mary's place today? so that we can send a copy of The Problem of Pain. We had no idea what we'd be going through in April when we chose this resource. It just kind of worked out that way, quote-unquote worked out. But I'm really glad to be able to put this in your hands and in Mary's hands, too. If you want to give a gift, go to chrisfabrylive.org. Scroll down, see how to be a back fence friend, chrisfabrylive.org. Or you can call us at 866-95-FABRY, 866-95. Nine five three two two seven nine. Thanks for your support and for being a back fence friend. Dr. Ray Pritchard serves as president of Keep Believing Ministries. He's written a number of books. We've had, had a bunch of conversations about a lot of different things. He's been a pastor. He's a speaker. Speaks around the world. Uh, not doing that now because of the situation in the country and and around the globe. Uh, we have a featured resource for you at chrisfabrylive.org. Click through. Keep keep believing. Dr. Ray Pritchard, how in the world are you? Hey, Chris, I need a haircut. <laughs> I feel like I have been in lockdown for about a year and a half. And you I looked in both. the I looked in the mirror and I didn't even recognize who that shaggy haired fellow was looking back i comb my hair nothing nothing goes in place and what goes in place doesn't stay in place so i begin i begin right i need a haircut and you know here in the kansas city area i can go and get a pizza if i pick it up you know and i can go to the home depot i can go to walmart but i cannot go get my haircut until until something changes so other than that i'm doing fine chris great to be with you 
I uh, talked with somebody today. I'll go to Skype with them next week. And she said, I cut my bangs today by myself. I had to. You know, so <laughs> a lot of people are feeling the same way as you are. This is really a different year, a different passion week yeah. than ever, isn't yeah. it? Well, that little, the thing about the haircut, it's just a little symbol of how everything has changed. I mean, Chris, if we just rewind the tape to January the 1st, I had never heard the word coronavirus or COVID-19, right? Didn't know anything about it, had no inkling of what was about to happen. And now we've been weeks and weeks and weeks. And here we come to, we're in Holy Week. We're coming up to Good Friday tomorrow and Easter Sunday in three days. And we can't go to church. I mean, I know we can watch it, Chris. I know we can, and I'm going to. But it's not the same, is it? And if there's any Sunday where the people of God really want to get together, it's this weekend, and we can't do it. Wow. And I'm I'm thankful and grateful for all the things that are going on online and for the, you know, there's a, we were talking just before we went on here. There seems to be this with the slowing down and with the closing of this, that and the other thing. There just seems to be this calm that has come in the midst of and I know in, in hospitals and ICUs, right. it's anything but calm. I, I get that. But there just seems in, in the broader culture of, and I live in the desert, it's, you can just measure it by looking out the window. It's, everything is slowed down, hasn't it? You know, the, in the, the first week was, I don't want to say exciting, but it was because it was different, you know. Then that kind of wears off and you get into the second week and the third week and nobody really knows when this thing is going to end. And yeah, I look around my neighborhood, I see a few people out walking, right? I see some cars on the streets and, and, and so on. But this hectic life we were all living not that many weeks ago. I mean, it seems like decades ago, but that, that hectic life we were all in, Chris, it has just, at least for the moment, it's been put on pause or put on hold and we don't know when we're going to get back to it. Yeah. And at the same time, <laughs> Life continues to go on and the bills continue to come in and the struggles of had over the last few days just been praying for people who have had surgeries and things that are going on that weren't expected. And in the middle of all of this, they're having to deal with that. So that's, that's an extra load that some people are carrying. But I want to, I want you to take us and just take a breath here and just kind of calm our own hearts. Take us to that upper room. Take us to what was going on. You, uh, you, you wrote a blog. You, you, uh, put some thoughts down. You even put on your Facebook page, the world still chooses Barabbas, which I thought was really interesting. What did you mean by that? I was pondering that whole question of Jesus and Barabbas because we know that Pilate was looking for a way out. Not that Pilate was a believer, but he wasn't really a skeptic in the normal way we think of that, right? He did not know what to do with Jesus. He says three times, I find no fault in him. This man's guilty of nothing. He was trying to set Jesus free. He, he, he rigged the contest, so to speak, because he brought up this insurrectionist, this terrorist, this, this murderous killer, Barabbas. And insane times, normal people, would say, 
okay, let's have Jesus and keep that other guy, by, keep him behind bars and don't ever let him out. But those were not sane times. And we know herd mentality being what it was. You only had to have a few people saying, give us Barabbas. We want Barabbas. And then the crowd picks up and suddenly the bad guy is let loose hmm. and the son of God is sent away for his crucifixion and all the, and the moral values of the universe are suddenly flipped upside down. And it just seems to me, uh, well, there was a, there's a fellow by the name of Tenworth, George Tenworth, who did a, a bass relief, uh, a, a, a <laughs> the, the, the kind of sculpture you would see on the outside of a building mm. of the release of Barabbas. And there's pilot. I was looking at a picture of it a, a little while ago and there's, it's, it's beautifully done. And there's, Pilate and he's pointing at Jesus as to say, this is the man, pick him, pick him. And there's Jesus rather forlorn. And on the other side of this, this past relief, there's, there's, uh, there's Barabbas. And in the way Tenworth did it, he's not only got a smile on his face, but he's stretching out his arm as if he's going to step right out of the, uh, right out of the sculpture, so to speak. And he's going to step into the crowd and the soldiers are slapping him on the back and Right, you can just barely see it under the figure of Jesus. It says good shepherd, but under the figure of Barabbas, George Tenworth kind of carved into the stone, the world's choice, Mm. the world's choice. And I thought, Chris, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. 2,000 years later, if forced to choose between Jesus and Barabbas, the world will choose Barabbas because they don't want to deal with who Jesus is and who the Son of God is. So that is part of the, the, the shock of that, of what happened 2,000 years ago. Jesus should have been set free, but he wasn't. The world made its choice, and it's still making that choice today. Yeah, and, and I added to that, and I said, the crowd chose Barabbas, gets me every time, but do I choose Barabbas in my own heart at times? And it takes a little bit of introspection to, to figure out what I mean. And I'm, I'm still not sure I know, but I think there are things that I choose other than Jesus at times or, oh, well, just, just look at the, every one of them. It's, it says in, in the gospels, not only Peter said, I'll never be, you know, even if I have to die. <laughs> right, you know? right. And, right. and it, all of them agreed. All of them said the same thing. And here is Jesus knowing they are, you strike the shepherd and they're all going to run away. So I want to come back. I want to, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about what happened in the upper room. There's a song by Fernando Ortega that we'll come back with and you can, you can hear a little bit of what he has done with this. If you have a question or a comment for Dr. Ray Pritchard today, 877-548-3675. 877-548-3675 or find us online at chrisfabrylive.org More straight ahead on Moody Radio. This is Anne Graham Lotz with Daily Light for Daily Living. The 19th century Scottish evangelist, Henry Drummond, said rest is not a hallowed feeling that comes over us in church. It's the repose of a heart set deep in God. You need spiritual rest. Rest from trying to please God. Rest from manipulating people to get your way. Rest from worry, fear, 
anger, self-pity. Hebrews 4.11 says, Let us make every effort to enter into that rest so that no one will fall by following an example of disobedience. This year, stop wandering wearily in the wilderness of self-reliance. Instead, enter into the promised land of the fullness of God's blessing by totally surrendering yourself to His authority. Enter into God's full blessing and rest in Him alone. Build into your schedule this year a time for refreshment both physically and spiritually. Then, lay your burdens down at the feet of Jesus and rest. This is Ann Graham Lotz. This is Barry McGuire. I'm a car guy here to help you understand God's purpose for your life through the eyes of a layman. Your entire life has been preparing you for this moment, this very moment. Everything you've been through, everything you've learned, it's all been leading up to now. But you can easily say, I'm just in the line at the grocery store, I'm just at work like every other day, or I'm simply cooking dinner for my family. What's so special about this moment? But when you pray yourself into the spiritual realm of those around you, you'll see it clearly. The people next to you in the checkout line, your co-workers, your family who's about to eat that dinner, they're your mission field. Every one of them needs to move closer to Jesus. Don't underestimate the significance of this moment and your role in it. There will never be another time like this time. Today is the day of salvation. Your job is to ignite revival outside the walls of your church by moving everyone every day closer to Jesus. For help doing that, go to ROTW.com. This is Chris Fabry live, and from the album The Crucifixion of Jesus, here's Fernando Ortega. This bread is my body broken for you. This cup is my blood of the covenant poured out for you. I will not. for what we're going to talk about in this segment. Take us to the upper room, Ray, and that food that they partook of. You know, they're thinking back. They're having a Seder there. They're right. thinking back right. about Egypt and the Passover and all of that. And here is Jesus becoming the Passover lamb. Of so Talk about that. Well, let's remember a couple of things as we ponder the upper room. As hard as it is for us to understand, just remember they didn't know. It's Thursday night. They are, they are less than 12 hours away from Jesus being arrested and tried, denied. They're 15 hours away, maybe, from him being crucified. It's Thursday night. The storm clouds of controversy have been breaking over their heads all week long, but they still don't get it. Even though Jesus himself had said repeatedly, I've got to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be crucified. They're going to beat me and spit on me. And, and he even predicted his own resurrection. But it's clear looking back, 
They didn't get it. I'm not sure any of us really would have understood. That night was to be the final meeting of our Lord with all of his men, with his key men, his inner circle, before the events would unfold that would lead to the crucifixion. So, you know, uh, in, in one sense, they're, they're in the shoot. All the, all the events are lined up as part of God's plan. Jesus knows it. The disciples don't. And so he washes their feet and they are astounded and shocked and dismayed and incredulous. And you remember, I mean, I'm getting to the part about the Lord's Supper, but you know, the, the Passover, but you, you got to just say something about the washing of the feet gets to Peter. No, you're not going to wash my feet. If I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. Okay, Lord, wash my whole body then. <laughs> don't you love Peter? I just like, you know, it's like, I, I look at Peter and I think that is it. That's the same kind of rube I am. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> right. I mean, here's the guy, the, the acknowledged leader of the apostolic band and he's clueless. He doesn't get it, you know. Then Jesus gives them the new commandment and the commandment to give it love others as I have loved you. I'm going to go away. And if I go away, I'll make a way for you. How do we know where you're going? Thomas says, we, if we don't know where you're going, how do we know the way? I mean, I mean, Chris, they were so clueless. Well meaning. Okay. With the exception of Judas, he's a special case, right? right. But the other 11, these are not bad men. These are Jesus handpicked men. And yet, so, so he comes to the Passover and he takes the, the bread and he takes the cup. This is my body and this is my blood. If you just sit there and say, what did, how much did Bartholomew understand mm-hmm. of what Jesus meant? Not very much. Jesus even says at one point, you will understand what this all, you will, you don't understand this now, but later this is going to make sense to you. I think on Thursday night, Bartholomew would have been as confused or at least as uncertain as any of them were. And then you have that little, Luke is the only one who, who, who gives us this little bit, Chris, uh, that at some point that evening, an argument breaks out around the table in the upper room, arguing among themselves about which one of them was the greatest. You talk about all the head-scratching things. I'm glad Luke put that in there because it just shows us how completely human these men were. We, it's easy to put people like, you know, James and John and Peter and Matthew. We, we can put them up on pedestals and say they were better people than we were. No, they were pretty much cut from the same cloth as the rest of us. Jesus is explaining symbolically his coming death hours away, and an argument breaks out. Okay, who's number one? Who's who's really the leader of this bunch? It just shows you, I think, Chris, number one, that holy moments don't last forever, and number two, it is because of their own weakness that Jesus says to me, the, the, the statement in the upper room that I can't get away from is the one we often quote, John 15, 5, without me, you can do nothing. I look at the upper room and two things for that whole evening, going into Gethsemane too, two things stick in my mind. Number one, Jesus is completely calm. He's, he has such tremendous confidence in his father's plan. There's no fear and there's no worry. There's no shrinking back. And number two, these disciples, these good guys, exception of Judas, duly noted, these good guys, they're clueless. And you know what, Chris? 
I think if I had been there, I would have been just as clueless as they were. So it's a revelation to me of the weakness of man and the great condescending, marvelous grace of God. It's a, it's a picture of who we are and who he is. Here's the other thing that sparks as you're talking about that. He didn't protect them from walking fully through this. You know, I know your guys are tired. I'm going to ask you to pray when we get down to Gethsemane. So, you know, drink some coffee. Uh, have <laughs> Here's a no-dose, you know, that kind of thing. Get an energy that. shot. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he didn't, he also didn't say, okay, look, there's this trouble brewing ahead why don't you guys go on? You know, there's an inn down the road. He let them walk through the storm that he was walking through, and, and he knew that they would be scattered. It's almost like when he told them to get in the boat and go across the way, and the storm came up. Like, they were exactly where they were supposed to be in that boat. And when the storm came, you know, they were following what Jesus said. The same thing happens here. He wants them with him in Gethsemane. He wants them to walk through, uh, authentically walk through this without any kind of advance notice of everything. You know, he's told them before, you know, that this is the son of man is going to do this and this is what the rulers are going to do. And they, they don't understand. Uh, so he, he allows them to go through all that, doesn't he? You know, there's no way to get to where we have to be but to get in the boat and go with Jesus. There's no way to get to where we have to be than to go up to the upper room and then walk out of the city gate and go down across the Kidron Valley and go up on the Mount of Olives. And there's, there's no way, there's no way to find out the truth about who you really are than to walk with Jesus into the garden and to realize he told you to stay awake and you fell asleep anyway. There's no way someone has, and this is, this probably, Chris circles back around to the point you made at the very beginning, strange Easter, strange Good Friday. Chris, I want to go to church tomorrow. I don't just want to look at it on the screen. I want to be there. And on Sunday morning, I want to be there and I want to sing up from the grave he arose and I want to sing Christ the Lord is risen today and I can't do it. I can't do it. And I'm going to, you can bet I'm going to be online tomorrow. You can bet I'm going to worship online as best as I can. Someone said this about this pandemic and the crisis and the maybe people have lost their jobs. People are sick. People have, people have passed away. The death is all around us now. In moments like this, isn't just that you find out what you believe. Yes. It's, do you really believe what you say you know? There, that's what I was trying to get to. Do you, 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 you say you know these things are true. Do you really believe what you say you know is true? And here's the great good news. Jesus Christ died. Whether I'm in a sanctuary or looking at a computer screen, he died and he died for me. He was buried. He went into the ground and he was buried. He was truly dead. And come Easter Sunday morning, I like to go to church and I like to turn to my neighbor and say, he is risen and have my neighbor say back to me, he is risen indeed. I can still say it because it is still true. And it is good sometimes to have these things taken away from us for a period because we find out if we believe what we say 
we know. So it's not bad to be in the boat with Jesus. Just make sure he's in the boat with you. You're mm. going to make it to the other side. Yeah. And you've written about this whole week. I was on your blog looking at the uh, the, the donkey. You know, you start with the donkey and the <laughs> cult of the donkey and, right. and all of that. And how and how Jesus, uh, it's it's pretty clear that he is following what was written about him. You know, there's right. so many prophecies that are fulfilled during this week, aren't there? So we go back and look at it and we say, either this happened by chance. And let's understand, when you get to the end of the story, when the New Testament writers say in the book of Acts, when they look back at this, they don't deny the moral culpability of Caiaphas and Pilate and, uh, you know, the high priest and the scribes and Pharisees. Peter says in, in Acts 2, by the hands of wicked men, you took and you crucified the Son of God. Then he adds, predestined by the predestined hand of God, meaning that the wicked men did this. It was part, and and I agree, there's a mystery here, folks, that we're not going to fully explain on this side, but all we have to say is, yeah, they were truly guilty. Yeah, when the people said crucify him, crucify him, that, that was morally wrong. They're morally culpable for crucifying the Son of God, but that did not happen by accident. It did not happen apart from God. It happened as part of the unfolding of his plan. Let me say this again. If in the time of the pandemic we say this just happened, we well, we have really, if we say it happened by accident, as if God was not involved, not the outworking that he, he is completely involved in this, then we have missed the very heart of the truth of the sovereignty of God. So I look at this whole story, Chris, to say that Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies, that's true, but let's just go behind that and say who gave the prophecies. It was God himself. Yes. He was behind the events. Well, okay, one last word, Chris, that I've done. Why is it Good Friday? Because on that day it didn't look very good. It was good because it was God's Friday, because it was the outworking of God's plan. And if those things hadn't happened, our sins would not be forgiven. We would not have salvation. We could not go to heaven. So, yes, what seemed to be the worst that man could do was the best that God could do to bring salvation to a fallen rebel world. I've been thinking a lot, too. You know, we look at this through the prism of the story that we read in the Gospels, and we see, we can we can smack Peter and say, why didn't you, and, you know, all, all of them, and do violence to those human beings. And that's one of the things I love about scripture is how honest it is with us mm-hmm. about their foibles and their mm-hmm. faults. But when Jesus said, you know, come follow me to them and that you must pick up your cross daily. I read that knowing that he went to the cross for me and he was buried and rose again to new life so that I can have new life. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the, the luxury to know what was going to happen, what steps, what the Via Dolorosa was, what had for Jesus, you know, in, in the future. So when we come back, I really want to get to the place where Jesus takes them down into that garden and asks them, will you stay with me here? Will you pray with me here? And the weakness of the disciples 
is on display. Our weakness is on display. We'll talk about that straight ahead on Moody Radio. This is it, the whole I've dreamed of playing, hole 17 at the TPC at Sawgrass. No big deal, right? It's only 121 yards, par 3, no problem. But then again, this is a golf green that is entirely surrounded by a body of water. No fairway, just a golf green on an island. Now there's a problem. Good luck, pal! Yeah, thanks, buddy. Are there hazards to endure in your life today? Dear God, is it unethical for me just to, you know, throw the ball up on the green? Yes? Yeah, I thought so. See your hazards as opportunities to improve and become better prepared for future obstacles that will come your way. If they are from God, remember that He has put them there out of love for you as His child. Okay, I'm taking what I've learned and going for it. Hey, alright! I did it! Joshua 1.9 says, Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Something to think about from your friends at Moody Radio. It's now time to play Answer the Question Wrong, and you could lose your life. Uh, Let's get started. Um, I'd like to welcome to the show Tim, not a believer. Welcome. Oh, wait, wait a minute. I, I think I'm on the wrong show here. Uh, uh, what makes you think that? Uh, well, I wanted to win a million dollars, not lose my life. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. Let's get started. No, 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 wait, wait. Now, keep in mind, answer the question wrong, you could lose your life. No, no, Great prize, huh? No, no, lose my life? Why? I've been good, raised good kids, been faithful to my spouse, I gave to charity. Well, Tim, those things are nice, but will it get you to heaven? Is that the question? I don't know. Is it? Uh, I don't know. Have you trusted Jesus as Lord of your life? Oh, that's the question. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Something to think about from your friends at Moody Radio. SRN News. I'm John Scott. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson has been moved out of intensive care. Johnson has been in intensive care for three days after his symptoms for coronavirus worsened. He tested positive for the virus two weeks ago and at first had only mild symptoms. Democrats blocking a GOP proposal to shore up the struggling Small Business Administration. Democrats demanding that the bill providing emergency loans to businesses be accompanied by guarantees it will help women and minority-owned businesses and banks. Fewer than 100,000 people went through airport checkpoints on Tuesday and Wednesday, the lowest number since the TSA started keeping track. And severe storms with high winds, hail, and possible tornadoes sweeping across the Midwest, causing damage in Indiana and Arkansas. A few injuries were reported. The Dow had 270 points. Now the NASDAQ is up 36. This is SRN News. Dr. Ray Pritchard is with us today from Keep Believing Ministries. This is Chris Fabry Live. We're considering what happened in the upper room. And now let's walk down into the valley and up to the garden. Fernando Ortega has a song that will take us there. When Jesus, in his humanity, asks his closest friends, Will you stay with me here? As he wrestles with the plan of God. Here's Fernando. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. 
strikes me, Ray, the tears at the tomb of Lazarus, when he cried, when he wept, those were real tears of grief. And there's a lot that was mixed in there as well. And his need here, his desire to have his followers stay with him there, that was a real human need that he had for men around him, right? So it's now late Thursday night. It's what, 11, 11.30? It might be near midnight. It, for the disciples, was the end, not of a long day, but if you go back to the raising of Lazarus and all the emotions surrounding that, and then the the dinner at Mary and Martha's home and, and the pouring out of the ointment, and then Jesus gets on the, the, the foal of the donkey and, and, and rides into Jerusalem and the, the crowds and the children and they're cheering and, and he takes a whip and well, he, he curses the fig tree and he takes the whip and he cleans out the temple and causes a ruckus there. And then there's the several days of, of, of debate and controversy publicly as the scribes come and the Pharisees come and the Herodians come and the Sadducees come. Everybody takes their shot at Jesus and, and they sense that they sense the rising tide of opposition and it's day after day of this and they had to know something bad is about to happen, but they don't know what. And now it is late on Thursday and they've gone through the emotional experience of the, of the, of the Passover, the Lord's Supper, the washing of their feet by the Lord, the new commandment, the instructions he gave, the listening to Jesus pray for them. And then, then they're in the garden of Gethsemane and Jesus says, I, I need you to be with me. They were exhausted, Chris. They were, they were mentally spent. They had nothing left. And I think in their defense, we can say they meant as well as we would have meant in that moment. They never intended to slip off, but we've all been there when you can't keep your eyes open anymore. And so finally, Jesus, in the moment of his greatest personal need, when he needed his men to be with him and around him and to encourage him, he went off a little distance by himself to pray, and he's 
The King James says he sweat as it were great drops of blood. This says something about the agony of his own soul. I think it says a couple of things to us. One, that uh, these men had simply come to the end. They had nothing left at all. And that finally Jesus had to walk into the dark valley of death and suffering, and he had to do it alone. And as a man, humanly speaking, it was completely overwhelming to him, which is why he cried and wept. He knew they did not know. The worst, he knew what was about to come. They had no clear idea. And the thought of the burden he was about to bear was overwhelming to him. I don't know any other way we can can understand what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. They didn't mean to go to sleep, Chris, any more than we do when we are so tired. But they they just couldn't help themselves, and off they went. Which is why when finally he wakes them up and it's all over, be alert. Be alert. Be careful. It's, it's a revelation of human weakness and how much we need the Lord. It's true. The Spirit is willing for all of us on our good days. The Spirit is willing. But, oh, how weak is the flesh. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. You know, I think of that, and I I think of also the kindness of Jesus here, knowing their frame, knowing the exhaustion. The, the, the other thought that I have in his humanity is it almost seems like Gethsemane is the preparation for what he's going to go through the next day, uh, Gethsemane is, is almost harder than the physical torture that he goes through and the excruciation of the cross. And I don't, you know, I don't, uh, it's, how, how can we even say anything like that? But it's, it feels very much to me the sweat drops of blood. This is the thing that is, he's, he's preparing himself for what he knows God is allowing to happen. The best we can do is to say, for most of us, the anticipation of a very hard time, often for us, the anticipation and the waiting often is much worse than the event itself. And I know that pales in insignificance compared with what our Lord has went through, but it's the best way I can think to to, to say it. A lot of people come through a really hard time, and, and they it was the waiting. It was the not knowing Jesus knew, so that's not the problem. Jesus knows the issue for him is he knows he is about to, he is about to face something nobody else has ever faced or ever could face. The, the sin of the world, whatever that means, all the, all the evil, all the disobedience, all the wrongdoing, all the law breaking, all of it, all the transgressions, all the iniquity, not just for you and me, but, but of all time going to be poured on the back of the son of God. And he as a man, father, if there be any other way, and, and, and what, what exactly is inside those words? Yes. Is that a real prayer? Is that, yeah, yeah. you know, is that, <sighs> Does he, 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 does he, he really mean that? I don't know any other way to read it as to say it's the it's the cry of an anguished soul who knows as a man what he must face tomorrow. And I do not think, as you mentioned, I don't even think that's a prayer that 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 he would not be crucified. I, I don't. He's he's not saying, Lord, I don't want to do your will, but he is simply facing up to it. 
Father, I know. I, I For this moment, I came into the world for this moment. Yes. And Jesus prays. And is there a... Is there a mystery here, Chris, that we can't quite get to? Yeah, there's a big mystery here that we can't get to. He was truly a man. He did not sin. He was not unwilling. But as a man, he prayed, and he he surrendered himself in the final battle. You could say in some ways the battle of Calvary was won in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, it's not... He was not going to come down off the cross. Remember that the next day. If you are the Son of God, if you are the Christ, come down from the cross. That was never going to work. If Satan was going to make a play, it was going to be in the Garden of Gethsemane. But even there, Jesus trusted in his heavenly Father. Not my will, but thine be done. And everything was then in place. The Father's will would be done, and Jesus would die. Was reading uh, Psalm 22. It just happened to fall there today, as I'm reading through the Psalms. And my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the the bulls of Bashan that encompass me uh, are around me, and they're dividing my clothes, and I am pierced. You know, these written centuries before yeah, crucifixion was you know became was in vogue. Here is the prophecy. In what Dr. Radelnik calls the Psalm Book of the Messiah, Song Book of the Messiah, this is what Jesus is reading, and so he cries that out from the cross. Uh, we have one final segment with Dr. Ray Pritchard today as we look at the anguish in Gethsemane that led then the next day to crucifixion, the full surrender of the Son of God for you and me. And we'll talk more about that straight ahead on Moody Radio. Imagine walking through an elegant art museum, carrying your paintbrushes and paints with you. That's a nice painting. But I think I could use a little To add anything would ruin the art. Green to the grass there. We wouldn't think to change any of the paintings. They're finished masterpieces. Stop! Stop! Yet how often do we try to add to Christ's finished work on the cross? We think we can try harder, do more good works, or add something of our own effort to pay our debt. But through Jesus' death, our debt has already been paid in full. There's absolutely nothing we can do to earn God's love or forgiveness. Isn't that freeing? If you are in Christ, there are no barriers between you and God. Through his sacrifice on the cross, it is finished. Don't try to add anything else to it. With Seeking Him, I'm Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth. Here's a truth that you must write in your Bible if it's not already fixed in your mind. Hi, I'm Chuck Swindoll. This is it. You are eternally secure. A good place to write that is in the margin alongside Romans 8, verse 1. Paul writes, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. It is the removal of the fear of eternal punishment. Our security is not conditional. It is not temporal. It is not seasonal. It is secure. 
We are eternally secure because we are in Christ Jesus. What a grand truth. Pastor and teacher Chuck Swindoll. Visit Insight for Living's website at insight.org. In the last couple of weeks, we've been focusing on faith over fear with what we're going on. We're talking a lot about hope these days. That's what this conversation is all about. My uh, back fence post today was all about that hope. And I excerpted four guests from uh, just two programs in the last couple of weeks and and sent those to my back fence partners who give a gift each month. If you want to receive that, just go to chrisfabrylive.org, become a back fence partner. You can do that today or give us a call. Uh, go to chrisfabrylive.org, scroll down. Thanks for your support. Dr. Ray Pritchard of Keep Believing Ministries. Things have changed. I saw uh, a post that you did Oh, I think it was last week at a board meeting and you were doing this online. I mean, everything is different, right? Right, right, right. So, so here we go. I mean, it's at some churches have Monday, Thursday services, Thursday night. If they do it tonight, they're going to do it online. And tomorrow, Good Friday, a lot of churches have Good Friday services and I've seen my face popping up all over my Facebook, you know, (laughs) meet us here online at, uh, on Facebook live at at whatever time it is. Well, that's very different. And then there's not going to be any Easter sunrise services, not at least in the way we're used to. I mean, back in, it's been a while, Chris, since I've been to a sunrise service, but I've been to a number of them years ago and there you get up early in the morning. And I mean, you can do that on zoom, but it's not quite the same thing, right? Right. Yeah. So I'm just uh, let, let me let me say two things. I, I do think I want to encourage people about this. Yeah, I wish I could get together. I've already said that, haven't I? I have already said that. But you know what? It's okay. Everything we believe is not based on our physical presence together. What we believe is based on what Jesus Christ did for us 2,000 years ago. So whether we go to a sanctuary or whether we meet online, what we believe is true because it really did happen. And we won't be here forever. Mm. I do not believe we will. Please, Lord, I do not believe we'll be doing this next year at Good Friday and Easter. And it's okay. The Lord is with us and we can sing along and rejoice. And if we are even the tiniest bit disappointed because we can't go to church, you know, with the physical presence of the believers, okay, it's okay to be a little bit disappointed. And I admit that I am, but we still should rejoice because he is risen. He is risen indeed. It really did happen. Jesus died and he rose from the dead. So let's have a great weekend, folks, and let's rejoice because everything we believe, everything we believe comes true this weekend. Uh, tomorrow on the program, you're going to hear a conversation we had a couple of years ago with Liz Curtis Higgs, who looked at the women at the cross of Jesus and uh, it was a really good conversation. I hope you'll join us for that on Good Friday tomorrow. I want to end here with you today, though, Ray, looking at this and, and the story of what Jesus has gone through. It can be this removed thing. Well, that's that happened way back there, way back when. And for a, a follower of Jesus today, it can feel kind of distant or a person who doesn't follow Jesus. It can just be the story that is out there. 
And what I see when I look at the cross is not just duty, not just God doing something that I can't do for myself, and it is that. What I see is love incarnate, hesed, that hesed kind of love, poured out for me in a way that beckons me to him. And I wonder if you could talk about that, that God poured out his love for us in the person of Christ, not just to have us look at the painting or the the sculpture or the picture or even the empty cross. He did that so that we could respond to it. In the end, we all have to make our choice, don't we? We started out this hour, Chris, talking about Barabbas and Jesus. And that's just, um, you know, that's, that's just one way of saying the choice we all have to make. And, and, and Pilate said, what shall I do then with Jesus? Well, we all stand in the same place. We all have to answer. It, it's not enough to say these things happened. At some point, you have to believe. Uh, earlier today, I was listening to a man talk on the radio. A, a layperson called in with a testimony, and he was telling how Christ had changed his life. And he, he said a wonderful sentence. He said, for many years, I was on the wrong side of the cross. Never heard anybody say it that way. Wow. Well, what a, what a great picture of one way to live life, to live on the wrong side of the cross, not understanding who Jesus is and what he did and not having been transformed. It would be the greatest of all tragedies to come to this most unusual weekend, very different from what we expected, to come to Good Friday, to come to Resurrection Sunday and be on the wrong side of the cross, be on the wrong side of what Jesus did for us. And could I just say to all of our listeners now, the single most important choice you can ever make, the greatest decision you can ever make, is to move from just speaking in generalities, but to say, Jesus Christ died. He died for me, and I trust him. I believe in him. I am opening my heart to him now. And Chris, I want to say to, to everybody who's listening to, to this program, Jesus died for you. He loves you. He paid the price. Your sins can be forgiven. You can have a brand new life. And at that point, it won't matter too much whether you're looking at a computer screen or whether you're with thousands of people as we would all like to be. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you get on the right side of the cross and put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and your life will never be the same. So, my friend, do that. As you're listening to us, do that. Come to Jesus. The Bible says, all the Father gives me will come to be, and those who come to me, I will not turn away. So no matter where you are, what you've done, or what burden of guilt you are bearing, if you come to Jesus, and I encourage you to do it now, your life will be changed. And Good Friday will truly be Good Friday to you, and Resurrection Sunday will be proof that Jesus really is the Son of God, and your life has been changed. So what Jesus did there in the garden and then uh, throughout that Friday was fully surrender to the plan of God, the will of God, so that he could pour himself out for me and for you, because we're all sinners. Mm -hmm. And what he, instead of Christianity being a club that you join or just something you do to make you better, you know, so that you don't do this, that, and the other thing that people think are wrong to do. 
you know, the, the list of things. Christianity is taking you from death to life, taking you from being outside of God's family and then put fully in there because you're trusting in what Jesus did for you and not what you can do on your own behalf, right? Isn't that, doesn't that him say amazing love? How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? What a miracle. What a mystery. Heart of the gospel, the amazing love of God. Don't stand on the outside, friends. Don't look at it. It's not enough to know what you believe. This is a weekend where we need to believe what we know. Make sure you believe and know Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad for this time that we can uh, just kind of jump in the pool of God's grace and mercy? As hard as it is to see what Jesus did for us, it's so good to jump in here and to swim and to breathe in the forgiveness that he's offering. This is what it's all about. This is this weekend. Make it personal, my friends. Come to Jesus. Open your heart to him. You'll never regret that amazing grace. How sweet the sound <laughs> that saved a wretch less sinner like me. Uh, Ray Pritchard, come back and see us again. God bless you. And uh, make some pancakes on that uh, Sunday morning. when you I get love it. For the Thank you, Chris. <laughs> That's what I miss. The pancakes afterward. Right? That's exactly right. <laughs> if you go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org, there's a blog we have linked to Ray Pritchard's website. You find out more about that, as well as Keep Believing, featured resource there, and some other things. I hope you'll share our program with others, too. Uh, you can go and, and hear the stream or the podcast and share the information. Come on back tomorrow, Liz Curtis Higgs, and a conversation we had with her about the women of Easter. That's what you'll hear right here at the Radio Backyard Fence. God bless you. Chris Fabry Live is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Thanks for listening.